Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When you got Christian marriages that aren't making it, to the non-believers looking, the word of God is blasphemy. What does it look like to the lady that's witnessing to her friends and trying to share the Lord with her friends and her marriage is all tore up? She at work like everybody else tearing up her husband. Oh, I can't stand him. Ooh, and it's like, what does that look like to the non-believers that are looking and saying, you Christian? Like, is that enticing? Does that make them say, I want what you got? Not at all. Are you living out your faith in the way that's evident to those around you? There is a difference between committing your life to Jesus and simply knowing about him. In today's message, Pastor Bill will challenge you to look at your life. Are you living out your faith? If you're no different than a non-believer, there might be some things you can change. As lifelong learners, we're all on this journey called life together. We all mess up, but thankfully we have the Word of God to keep us on track as we strive to be more like Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Titus chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. When you look up slanderers in the Greek, the Greek word is diablos, the devil. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) slanderers is the same word used for the devil. The word means to speak falsely or to falsely accuse someone. And we know that that's what the devil does. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So God says, hey, you older ladies, older women. Um, Because for some reason, men, I know there's some men that do this too, but for whatever reason, it's more women do it more. You know, don't judge me. The Bible, they didn't say it to the men. So he said, don't slander people. Don't be talking bad about people because on whatever reason, women talk a lot. They get together, girl, and and you embellish. And and then next thing you know, I mean, you know, all kind of stuff. He said, don't, that's the devil's work. Don't be a part of that. So if you're a lady and you say, man, I, I struggle with that. I'd be, I'd be chopping people up. I, I'd be like, well, you saw her hair? I, you know, and just talking bad about people, accusing them falsely, suggesting things that are not true. Bible says older, older women, you know, set, a, set an example for the younger. They struggle with it, too. So you guys set an example. They come to you with something. Oh, don't do that, girl. We, got, we don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be falsely accusing people. And I, when I just think of the word, that's heavy. That's the same thing the devil does. It's the devil's work. So... You don't want to be a slanderer. You don't want to be talking about people, accusing people falsely. Something that I've known people to do is we might see something that someone, you know, did. And then we don't know why they did it or where it came from, but we'll go ahead and add, you know, we'll go ahead and fill in the blanks. You know, I I bet she did that because, or I I bet she, you know, whatever. And it's like, you don't know that. That's falsely accusing them. You're making up stuff. You're filling in the blanks. Don't do that. Don't do that to people. Even when you know something bad about somebody else, you know, is it necessary to say? I love the little acronym uh, Greg Laurie uses. He calls it THINK. Is it true? Yes, it's true. Is it helpful? Um, is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Just a good little thing to run through. when I, Because I know some things about people that are true, but it wouldn't be helpful and it's not necessary. And it wouldn't inspire anybody and ain't kind. It don't need to be said. It's unnecessary. You know, just my knowledge of it don't mean I need to communicate it to you. Amen? So that they be reverent, not slanderers, not given to much wine, not, you're not, you're not saucy walking around, not addicted to alcohol, basically. Um, y'all know my saying, how you guarantee that you won't be addicted to alcohol? Don't drink it. It's your only guarantee, right? Everybody you know that's a drunk, 
didn't plan to be a drunk. Nobody ever got drunk the first time and said, I'm, I'm going to commit the rest of my life to having to do this. Even when I don't, nobody says that. Nobody says, I want to be an alcoholic. Nobody says, I want to be addicted to crack. Nobody says, I want to be, nobody, nobody plans to be that. It's just that you don't plan not to. You don't take necessary steps. You don't walk in wisdom with your liberty. We have liberty. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I could actually have a beer. Y'all know that? It wouldn't be against the Bible for me to go and have a beer. But it wouldn't be wise. Um, would it be helpful when I weigh out what it could cost me? Because I used to be an alcoholic. It just wouldn't be wise for me to go have a beer for a lot of reasons. I know if I have a beer, I got some fellas. But if you have one, I could have 10. You know, there are people that are looking at my example. That's one reason. Another reason is I don't put that much confidence in this flesh. Right. Let a man take heed when he thinks he stand, least he fall. Right. I didn't plan to be addicted to alcohol when I first got addicted. The Lord delivered me, but I didn't plan. I didn't, I didn't plan on it. I just ended up there. How did I end up there drinking? First, it was just on the Friday, you know, with my buddies. Then it was like well, Friday and Saturday. And then it was, hey, why not Sunday? Just throw the whole weekend in. And before you knew it, it was happening during the week and ruining school. I was ditching days of school to do it. And there it went. And by the time I woke up and realized I said I was not going to do it and I keep doing it. I'm, I'm a, you know, that's I guess what they call addicted. But I never acknowledged that I was addicted back then. But I would I would plan on New Year's Eve. This is it. This year I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to really straighten up. Ooh, and then, and then New Year's Day would come and it'd be like everybody else was doing it. So <laughs> maybe next, maybe the day after New Year's. And it, it never happened. Till like I say, the Lord delivered me. So for me, there's a wisdom in saying, not messing with it. So I just, for, that's for free for whoever's out there. It would be wiser not to drink than to drink. There really isn't any wisdom in exercising that liberty. So uh, moving on, that they not be given to wine. Teachers of good things. Now, the, we'll see from the younger women. Now, one of the things that women are to be doing, you know, you take a woman, an older woman, and she's had children. And, and then ideally, she's been teaching. She's been teaching the word at home. She's been raising up kids in the Lord. She's been ministering God's word. There's there's an expectation that there's a spiritual maturity about her. So now in her, as she's an older, wiser lady, man, make sure you're teaching good things to whoever will listen to you. You have some young, it's going to tell us in just a minute that the older women need to be teaching the younger women. But you can't teach what you haven't done, right? They're going to be told to teach them, well, let's go look at it. So verse four, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. I, had, I meditated on that last two weeks. I was like, you really got to teach a woman to love her husband? <laughs> I, I thought it was just automatic. You know, you just love me, right? We, but and to love her kids, my mind thinks that you ain't got to teach a woman to love her husband. He just... You just got to get them, you know, got to hook up the right folk. And then, uh, you know, and I don't, my mind says, you know, to teach a woman to love her baby, a baby, and she nurse him and she just love him. But the older woman, if, if it says you got to teach him how to do it, then it's not always automatic. And so, and I, I'm not naive to think that, you know, there wouldn't be time where someone has to choose. You know, love is not a, a it's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. That's why I don't, I don't, I don't listen. I don't, I never confirm. Oh, I fell in love. No, no, you can't fall in love. You can't fall out. You were choosing to love them and now you fell out of love. No, you stopped choosing to love them. Everybody know love is a choice. Everybody. OK, if you didn't know today, love is a choice. You can choose today to love anybody you want to love. You can choose today to not love somebody. They getting on my nerves. They did this wrong. I'm taking my love, putting it in my back pocket. I'm not giving it to you. No, it's a choice. It's something that you can choose to do. That's come you can have a mother with a tore up kid getting in all kind of trouble, costing her money, making her hair fall out, and she just still choosing to love him. It's a choice. Choosing to love. I choose to love him. Let your husband do that mess, though. You know, so uh, love is a choice. So it says older women, 
teach the younger women to love their husbands. So listen, that would mean that the older women have been making this choice for some time. I've been choosing to love my husband, even when he's not lovely. I've been choosing to love him when he when he's not right. And so I'm I'm good at it. So when this young girl comes in, my husband and I'm and she's like, oh girl, sit down. Let me let me break it down. We have, we've been there if I've been, you know, you just be able to pass that down. It would be so helpful. Because that's not the counsel young women are getting from each other and from some older, unwise woman, you know, girl, well then I'll just leave. Make them sleep on the couch then. And it's like that's that's not what my Bible says, you know. So you that's it's it's gotta be you have to have lived it out to pass it down. But God says, older women, I want you to be able to do this. The church depends on this younger women coming up, depending on you older ladies getting it so that you have it to turn around and say, let me pass it down. You. I know I, I just, is it difficult? Oh, yeah. You know, there are going to be times in a marriage that's hard. Yes. Yes. Don't, don't be shocked, girls. It, but, you, you know, you, you can get by, you get by that. You want to teach them how to love their husbands. So I, I had wrote a list, you know, because love is. In addition to being a choice, love is action. What, what kind of action, what, what love and action does a woman need to teach? You know, how do you love a husband? Now, I'm not going to get graphic. That's, this is a, how, do, how does a woman love her husband, right? Every, everybody has their own love language. Love is action. It's just in your action, let you love your husband. It may be that you know that this pleases him, this blesses him. Uh, it may be what you prepare. It may be other things that you do. It's just, you know, it's love is action. So I can't be like, I love you. No action. That gets empty after a while. That goes both ways. Just men do that stuff too. Girl, I love you. That's empty words if they're not followed up with a lifestyle of, of, of active loving someone. But teach the younger women to love their husbands. Uh, again, I believe they can love their husband in their behavior. They can love their husband in how they deal with the household, how they deal with the children, how they deal with him, giving themselves away. Um, and all the different ways that loving someone would cause us to die to ourselves to love someone else. Um, love their husband. Then it says, love your children. Teach the, teach a younger woman to love their children. What's that look like? Being there for them, making yourself available, being able to teach. How do you love a child? You love a child with discipline. We have a whole generation of people that are growing up taking advice on how to raise kids from TV. That's, they're getting it wrong. They don't want to discipline their kids no more. And so you see the result of that. Kids are bad. You know, and they, they, you see a mother with kids that are bad and they think they're loving him. I love him so much. They emotion him so much. But they're not loving them in a biblical way. Right? I'm going to love you. I'm going to get that butt when it's needed. You know, I'm going to discipline you so that you don't keep going the wrong way. The Bible says if you don't discipline your child, you hate them. Y'all know that? Mm, that's harsh. If you don't discipline them, you hate them. Right. He said foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, the rod of correction, and drive it far from them. Um, if you love your kid, you'll get that butt. That's what the Bible said. The, 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 the rod of correction, right? It'll drive it far from them. They need it. They need it. They, they need it not to be beaten or abused, but they need discipline. They need boundaries. They need to know, no, you're not going to do that. No, you're not going to talk like that. I cringe when I see little kids speaking to their mothers or speaking to their parents. Like, tell, when I see a little kid tell his mother no. I'd be looking like, oh, you better do something. Ooh, can I help? Can I, can I borrow them for a little bit? Like, you just don't want to see that because I'm like, if they four and they could just be like, no. I'm like, well, then that's, that's, that's setting the stage for his life is over. You know, he basically running the own, you four-year-old running the show. He's not, he's going to ruin himself. So anyway, teach them to love their children. That's discipline. That's love. That's being there. That's making wise choices. There's some women that, they, they got to work. You know, that's just the way the, the ball is bounced for them. They got to be at work. And so make the best use of the rest of your time. Then if you got to 
child and you got to work and you're a single mom, then you can't be out partying. You got to cut out some of that extra stuff. You can't be running around. You can't be you don't have time for it. You got kids that need you to be at home loving them. Somebody need to be teaching them to do that, teaching them the word. That's why I love my kids is making sure I want to do my best to make my to, to teach my kids about the Lord, training them up in the way they should go. That's a part of loving my kids as well. So teaching them to love their, their husband, love their children. Verse five. Also, it says that they to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And so if I run down this list first, they'd be discreet. This speaks of more how they present themselves. Older women can teach younger women. Now, you know, there's there can be a, a, a dis, you know kind of a disparaging thing with, within time and season. Some older women, I've seen legalistic older women where it's like if you don't cover up from the neck to the ankle, you're immodest. I don't think that's right. Um, I think that there older women need to be in a place where you can teach a young lady though how to present yourself like a lady. You can be fashionable. You can wear cute outfits. You can match your shoes and your earrings and all that uh, without having all your stuff out. So that the older women need to be able to teach a younger woman how to do this. A man not called to do it. Interesting to me because we're going to see the pattern. Paul's going to tell Titus to teach a younger men. But when he's telling tell about teaching the younger women, he didn't tell Titus that's not your ministry. You, Titus not going to have a ministry to young women. Neither will I. I won't have a ministry to church. I'm doing a young women's Bible study. Not going to happen. My wife might do one. Some of the other women might be doing one. It'll not be my ministry. I'm not going to be the one saying, I don't think you should wear that shirt. <laughs> Them pants are too. That, that can't be my ministry. That, but I need some women in love and gentleness and pace that can say, hey, come here, girl. Come step aside. You just... You're putting it all out there. <laughs> You're doing too much, three much right now. You know, they need that. So this is a, a woman to woman type of ministry. Amen. But it needs to be done in a certain kind of way because some women can do it. You know, women can be funny. There'd be some women that, you know, they mad because they could never wear it. So they got to make you feel bad about wearing it. I'm sorry. I've got to say it because I've seen it happen before. So you don't want it to be that. You don't want it to be that, you know, uh, she thinks she's cute. I'm going to tell her about her. I don't want that. That's the wrong spirit. You want it to be in the spirit of, hey, I want you to be respected and I want to make sure that you can be seen as a woman of God. These are wives again. So, I mean, if the husband let them out with it, because, <laughs> you know, my wife, I check her. I'm like, hey, I said, I like that so much that it probably should only be worn here. You know, I, I like it too much. Like, I, 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 keep, I keep looking at it, you know, so I know that's in-house gear. She got outfits that are for around the house from, for my nobody else. Y'all don't get to see her in these outfits. These are things that. You can you can do your house in that stuff right there, you know, but she'll be not wearing that here to church for you people. So so if the husband let them out, then you other women, I'll let them know. I'll move on. So that they be chased homemakers again, um, an older woman that's that's raised her children and and taking care of home. She could teach a younger woman how to do it. You know, you get younger girls get married. They maybe don't know how to cook yet. They maybe don't know how to how to juggle the household and all the things and this and that and all the things they may do. And so some older, wiser woman can come along and say, hey, let me let me share with you kind of how I divvied it up. And you'd be able to help them along and show them it's not that difficult, girl. You just can teach them just wisdom passed on down to help her be good at what she's called to do, ministering in her home. It says obedient to their own husbands. Um, the Bible does teach that a wife is to be submissive to her own husband. It's not an archaic idea. It doesn't mean that a woman doesn't have value or worth or that she doesn't have something to bring to the table. But that a wife is called ultimately to submit to her husband's spiritual authority. That can be a challenge, uh, especially for a new wife. My wife, I would say now, is very submissive. But when we first got married, I remember the first time she had to submit. Uh, it was very difficult for her. You know, we were at one church 
It was the only kind of church she had ever known. Uh, we had just been married a couple months and we were there and God spoke to me very clearly. It was time to go. And it was like, well, I had to struggle with it. That's my only pastor I ever knew. He had baptized me, married me. And I prayed again. The Lord said, I already spoke to you. You need this time to go. You guys, that's, you guys are done there. You need to move on. And I remember telling my wife and I remember her words. You know, she cried. My, you guys know me because she don't really cry a lot. She cried, jacked me up. I'm like, oh, God, you ruined my marriage. You broke my wife. She's crying now. And she's like, well, God didn't tell me. And I couldn't tell her. You know, then I could have, but I don't think it would have been wise. My thought was, well, God didn't tell me. I'm like, he told you to follow me. But what God had told me already was to lead out anyway, that, that I'm not to be moved by her tears and, or anybody else that I'm supposed This is the direction he gave me and I got to move in it. So but she had a hard time with that. And she battled with it. She, she came in her body, but her heart and her mind weren't there. So when we got to the new place. She had her hands on her hip in the attitude kind of way. It was like, well, how come they do this like that? How come they, uh, I don't like the music. I don't like that. I'm like, yeah, that's what God said, go, babe. You know, but in time, God worked it all out. God, God, God clarified it and made it clear. And we got invited back to the church that we left. Seven years later, I got invited back to come speak. And this rocked both of our world. When we got back to speak seven years later, not one couple that was married when we left were married when we returned back, even the ministers. Not one couple, not one marriage had survived seven years in that church. And so two months into my marriage, God was like, you got to go. Now I look back and I'm like, I think I know why, you know, because my marriage is we, we making it, you know. So but wives have to submit. It's a difficult thing, though, because it's, it's like now I used to have my own relationship with the Lord. You still do. Well, I just do what God says do. But now what God said do to a wife is to submit to your husband. So for you single girls, don't marry a man that don't see God that you don't you have a hard time submitting to. Make sure you marry a man that you know is in his word and he prays. and He's he's already shown a pattern of obedience and submission to God that it'd be easy to submit to him. And if you're already married, then you just got to pray it through. <laughs> it's just, but it's just, you don't get to get, you don't get to pick a new one. So so moving on that they be uh, obedient to their own husbands and look at the reason why. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. Why? Because when you got Christian marriages that aren't making it to the non-believers looking, the word of God is blasphemed. What does it look like to the lady that's witnessing to her friends and trying to share the Lord with her friends and her marriage is all tore up? She had work like everybody else tearing up her husband. Oh, I can't stand him. Ooh, and it's like, what does that look like to the non-believers that are looking and saying, you Christian? Like, is that enticing? Does that make them say, I want what you got? Not at all. But you know what? You know, and I got to share this. The couple that led me to Christ, my friend Curtis and his wife, one of the things that really spoke to me about them was they had something. They moved into my apartment building. So I was downstairs. I was shacked up with a girl fighting, cheating, coming home drunk. Blah, blah. It, was, it was a mess. And we had a baby. So that just added, you know, fire to the to the stuff that was going on. And they moved in my apartment building right upstairs. And I would be downstairs and I, you know, I'd been gone for two days and come back and, ah, and we'd fight and going back and forth. And they come down trying to referee and help us out. And hey, Bill, you come up here and they'd be down there. And I'm just like, man. But I remember I would go up to their house and it would just seem like I walked into this little euphoria. And I, I was so convinced that it was I'm like, y'all are so fake. Y'all don't talk like that. All I would walk up there and she was like, can I get you something to drink? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, give me a break, man. I know y'all fight. I know him. We grew up together. And I, and I kept looking for it. I kept looking for something. I kept trying to entice him. Like, hey, man, I got this. You know, come, come out to this thing. And he was like, bro, I'm, I'm good. I'm married. 
Like, come on, bro. I'm not going to tell. You know what I'm saying? You know? And he wouldn't, he wouldn't budge. And after a while, I would just look at them and I realized, like, man, they had what they had was sincere. It was, they had peace up there. And I didn't even realize then how it was a witness to me that something in my heart said, man, I want that. I want, I, I'm, I'm never, I, I knew I was never going to be single. Um, that's just not built for that. I'm, gonna be, I'm just not ready for, to be single. But I'm like, but, I, but I, what I got right now is like hell on earth. You know, I don't want that either. And they had something different. You know, I'm like, man, and it looked like they really love each other. They got married young and, they, you know, and they still married now. Five babies, loving Jesus, loving their kids, doing good, you know, being a witness. So that, that marriage witnessed to me. But just consider how a jacked up marriage can be repulsive to a non-believer. It says that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And so that's why that's 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 the heart behind with the, the way he's having the older women teach the younger women. Verse six. Now, now for the young men, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober minded. So notice how Paul told Titus to have the older women teach the younger women. But now that we come to the younger men, Titus can do this one directly. And just that's what I was pointing out earlier. So he says, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober minded. Have a sound mind. What, what happens in the, the life of young men? They're just distracted. Uh, they're passionate, but they, if you're, sometimes young men are just passionate about all the wrong stuff. They're all over the place. Oh, I'm going to be this. Oh, I'm going to do that. Right now, I want to do this. I'm going to be in sports. I'm a video game. Man, they're, just, they're always like, man, encourage them. Talk to them. Bring it down. Help them be sober minded. Because if, you could, if they could give all of that passion, energy, and all that, they, all that a young man is can be given to God, God could do great things. Look in your Bible. Some of the men that God used in significant ways were very young. How old was David? Was a young man, right? David was a young man when God put his spirit on him. David was a young man when he was watching the sheep, learning how to worship with the harp. David was a young man when he stepped out there to, to King, to, I'm sorry, to Goliath and said, man, what's up? I'll fight this. And, you know, he was a young guy. He was young. But all, all that passion and vigor and purpose was directed toward God. And God said, I'm going to use him. He the, he the weakest one here. He the tiniest dude here. I'm going to do great things through him for my glory. And God used his life uh, of all the, the, the sons of, you know, of, the, all, of Joseph. All, the, all his brothers were older than him, older and they've been around longer. But Joseph was the one that God said, I'm setting him apart. I got a special plan for Joseph. He's going to be in charge of everything. And he's going to go through some hardship, but he's going to get there. But the plan started young. God gave him visions young. God showed him things young. And he started walking with the Lord young. And God used him for his glory. Daniel and his friends, they were young when, 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 when they got taken captive in Babylon. He was young when he said, I'm not going to defile myself with the delicacies from the king's table. That's not how I was raised. That's not what my God would have me to do. Give me some veggies and water. And he was young when he made that decision with his friends. And he was young when God put his hand upon him and used him mightily. And so young men, sober minded, man, can you can you can you channel all that? Can you just give that to God? It says older men, you take them younger guys aside. And it's, it's, it's a challenge. Get them to get them to come aside and listen. But this is what you want to be directing them to the Lord, because it's a powerful thing when a, when a young man, a young man, give his life to the Lord. And he's committed to the Lord because there's a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of passion. Let that all be directed toward God. It's unstoppable. Get you some 16 year old boy that decides he falls in love with the word of God. Tear it up. Get you some 20 year old because they got they have time. They got energy. Right. They ain't old yet. They can, they can stay up right now. When you guys remember when you were young, you can stay up till two, three o'clock in the morning and wake up. Fine. I'm good. You know, just give me some cereal. Give me a donut. You know, you're eating bad foods. Just, just you just they just in a good space. We get older, start slowing down. I went to bed at two. 
I can't do nothing today. If I do it, I won't do it with joy. And the spirit leaves me until, until I recover. You know, there's something about a young man submitted, surrendered to God. So we need to encourage him. We need to encourage them, challenge them, and, and notice what they're being told to do. All the direction speaks to what they would naturally, they would naturally not be sober-minded. They would naturally be all over the place. So we're exhorting them, be sober-minded. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. Today's message from the book of Titus is available on our website, along with other teachings from God's Word. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and click on Media, or you can download our mobile app to take Pastor Bill's messages on the go and keep in touch with Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You'll find a link on our website, or just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. We'd love for you to join us for church this weekend, too. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sundays to spend time together praising the Lord and learning from His Word. We always enjoy meeting new people. And be sure to let us know you've been listening to A Transforming Word. You also can join us virtually on YouTube Live. Just visit our website to get all the information you need. Again, that's CalvaryEnglewood.org. You can also text us for more information at 310-245-4811. How can we be praying for you during this study in Titus? We're honored to do that for you. Just let us know when by calling or texting 310-245-4811. Before we go today, we'd like to take a moment and invite you to be a part of what we're doing here at A Transforming Word. Would you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this ministry? If you feel like God is leading you to support us this way, you can give securely at calvaryinglewood.org or through our mobile app. Thanks for praying about this, and thanks for tuning in to A Transforming Word.